and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the podcast where myself, Keith Ramsey, is going through the series for his last time, and Peter Akerley, hello, going through for his first. Today, we are going to be going over not an episode or movie of Neon Genesis, but continuing our deep dive into aspects of the series with the Shinji Ikari episode. So, Shinji Ikari is the main character of the series, as most people know, uh, and he has started multiple of the Neon Genesis things, who would have guessed? Yeah, that crazy was, how that happens. The name of you, Neon Genesis Evangelion, the anime 95 run, Neon Genesis Evangelion, the manga, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Angelic Days, the Shinji Ikari Raging, Raising Project, uh, Legend of the Pico Pico Middle School Students, uh, the Shinji Ikari Detective Diary, uh, and of course, things like Genesis Anima, or Campus Apocalypse. A bunch of spin-off series, in which I know a lot of people looking at Neon Genesis as a whole, it doesn't, you don't, like, the idea that there could be a lot of spin-offs isn't something that really kind of clicks, I think, for a lot of people. There are infinite time, well, not necessarily infinite, but there are as many timelines as you want, all of them canonical. Fucking why not make a spin-off for, of whatever you want? It's technically happened. So here's the one thing I will say about the hell idea, but, like, they did say all the timelines are now canon. I don't know if that was, like, was the thought process before or after doing, like, the Rebuild series. Yeah. And a lot of these things came into existence before Rebuild was actually a thing. Of course. Spinning off the franchise, you know, putting characters into interesting aspects. So, a part of me had to, like... Is there someone who, like, you know, the guy who wrote Campus Apocalypse is like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm canon now? No, I, I feel like, if anything, the guy who wrote Campus Apocalypse and stuff like that is just like, I always knew I was campus... Uh, <laughs> I always knew I was Campus Apocalypse. <laughs> I always knew I was canon. Uh, you're not confirming anything by telling me this. You're just letting everyone else in on the secret. I've been the most canon story of all time. I've also been the most Campus Apocalypse. I am the truest timeline. This is a brief uh, heads up for you. Since, uh, I know you haven't seen what Campus God, Apocalypse. no. I have no idea what you're referencing. Uh, it's an Evangelion spinoff series where they're all in school, but instead of piloting Evangelion mechs, they have special weapons that are Evangelions, and changes his dual business. Sure thing. Oski uses a spear that pretty much looks like the Spear of Lock Dynasty. Might as well. Yeah. Do they still fight angels? Kind of. Are the angels still, like, super tall? Not, big? Exactly. Not exactly. Okay. Fair enough. And that's the best way to describe Evangelion. The, the basic idea is always there, it's just they change things a lot. Yeah. And also, then they make those changes canon. I don't know how accurate it is, but I do feel like there is somewhere out there where Gendo travels through dimensions, kills himself, and then pretends to be himself. Yeah, I'd be willing to accept Gendo has pulled uh, Rick Sanchez once or twice in his life. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's happened. I think it has also happened before Rick and Morty was a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, the more I think about it, Gendo as Rick Sanchez, I'm not that surprised by it. Yeah. But uh, I guess enough about Gendo, where we can't even talk about Shinji in his own fucking episode. No, uh, this is classic Shinji energy. It's our time to talk about Shinji, and we would much rather talk about Gendo. And, uh, probably shun Shinji as much as possible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Shinji, as a main character, is... I guess kind of an interesting aspect to go, because... Up to this point, the main character's never really been... Shit on as much as Shinji. Even by the people doing it, because... If you remember through the original run, Shinji was pretty much the butt of every joke in the series. Oh, he's accidental pervert. Ah, uh, he's a crybaby. Ah, uh, he gets beat up because people misunderstand him. 
He gets it, blackmailed into a giant robot. It's very interesting to me because one of the things a lot of series like this will do is kind of make their main character as much of a blank slate as possible. That way, the viewer can kind of impose themselves on the main character and like live vicariously through them. And if the character has a strong personality, then the viewer's less likely to identify with them. Whereas Otto went the other way, and he's like, no, I'm giving this character as specific of a personality as possible, that personality being the worst. <laughs> You're still going to identify with him, though. I am deciding that for you. Yeah, and he also doesn't try to shy away to make Shinji like kind of like an unbelievable protagonist either. Yeah. Because he suffers through a lot of problems that, you know, anyone could really go through, and uh, they're kind of just heightened because of the circumstance, but they're not extraordinary. Yeah, they're not situations that are completely alien to human life. They're situations that make sense. Like, the situation of, like, having a couple good days at work and getting a bit overconfident and then having a really shitty day and taking that all away from you. Like, that's a situation most people can relate to, especially after starting a new job. Shinji, that's very much what happens to Shinji. It's just because his job is fighting angels... The peaks and valleys are so much more extreme than what we're used to. Yeah, and as I said, like, it, very extraordinary circumstances, but, like, he gets depressed, it does pretty much like what anyone else would, right? Like, he reacts the exact same way. It's just the circumstance of how he got there is the extraordinary part, but it, it's applied in, like, uh, anyone could be for this type of thing, right? Yeah. I think the most unrealistic part is that he ends up going through therapy. <laughs> Which is funny, because, uh, I think... If you think of, like, Mecha Pilot, at least up to this point of, like, an anime and stuff like that, like, it definitely has changed because, obviously, it just shifted a lot of the ideas of how these work. But up to this point, I think Shinji is probably the first truly relatable giant Mecha Pilot character. Yeah. A lot of other characters in similar roles in other animes up till this point have kind of been infallible in a way. Like, they just... They don't really fuck up a huge amount, and they don't have, like, negative emotions from what I remember. Like, it's a lot of just, like, everything goes well for them, and they are a happy person most of the time. And even when things are going poorly, they have the hope and determination to see things through to the other side, whereas... Yeah. That's not entirely realistic. Like, yes, hope is a good thing, and more people should have it. But a perfectly reasonable response to shitty situations is giving up hope and having a shitty attitude. Yeah, and, uh, I think... A big, like, comparison for this, too, is, I'd say up to this point, uh, you know, Genesis 95, the biggest comparison to Shinji, or the biggest example of another mech pilot, is probably Ray Amaro, so the original Gundam series, and even with that, like, yeah, overall, the whole idea of Gundam is, you know, war is bad, and everyone who's in it suffers, regardless of you being on the morally good side or whatever, and that's obviously... Normally missed by, ooh, giant cool robots, right? Yeah. Which even with Neon Genesis happens a bit. Like, ooh, giant cool robots. But most pilots at this point, they do have those emotional beats, like, I couldn't save the person. But where they tend to be, well, I just wasn't strong enough. I didn't have enough yeah, power. Yeah, so like, oh, man, I really suck. Yeah, it's, I fucked up and someone died. Oh, no. Time to become better so that doesn't happen again. Whereas with Shinji, it's, I fucked up and couldn't save them. 
I should just kill myself is like not exactly where it goes, but where it feels like it's going some of the times. Like I have zero value into this world. Well, now. I mean, there, there's it's never directly stated, but there's a few instances throughout the series where it looks like Shinji did try to kill himself and yeah. didn't succeed. Yeah, and that's what ultimately breaks down to is most of the pilots, their mental issue never really becomes more part of the plot. It's more of their skill, and they kind of just brush through that stuff. Because Amuro definitely had friends die during the Gundam course that he was upset about. But, you know, someone slaps Amuro and he gets himself together. Or someone slaps Shinji and he's like, man, I guess I was right. Everyone does hate me because I'm shit. Yeah, and it's... That's kind of the key difference, is in other series it feels like the trauma that happens to the character is put there to drive the character forward. So, like, they go through a bad experience, they feel bad about it, and that gives them the drive to try harder the next time around or something like that. Whereas the characters in this series go through a traumatic experience, and that gives them the drive to collapse even more aggressively into themselves. I'm speedrunning a rock bottom. Yeah, exactly. I'm on a highway to hell, and I'm fucking breaking the speed limit. But yeah, I think that's ultimately what you need to do to the franchise when it comes to the giant mech pilot. It gave them the ability to kind of attack those more like emotional aspects of it. Which ultimately like, made things like Gundam, I feel like, be able to be better because uh, where it was limited to so much of like, it really was just giant robots, that's cool, the backstory doesn't really matter much, and then we got Gundams that started actually approaching something like that. Gundam Wing is a prime example that it came up close enough to Neon Genesis that you couldn't say like, oh, well they just stole Neon Genesis, but like, it started tackling the emotional stuff. It was a darker story compared to Gundams up to this point. Yeah. They kind of changed the paradigm, essentially, where it was no longer uh, like, the emotional story and the plot is a background to giant robot fights and kind of swapped it around, and it's now the giant robot fights are kind of just a background to the emotional growth that the characters are going through. Yeah. And not to say that Shinji himself doesn't end up having traits of those types of characters later on, as we saw with the Rebuild series, Shinji actually is able to move the trauma, but I feel like it works out better because even though the Shinji we're following in Rebuild has a very short character arc path, due to the fact that it's the multiple loops, and even though they're not the same Shinji, it almost feels like we're seeing payoff to the Shinji from the original run, being able to finally move past everything. Yeah. Which in a way he kind of does because he does seem to become aware of those other timelines as well. Yeah, and even then, like, yes, he has his moment where he recognizes what's best and, like, he does move past his trauma. But even with that, there are still times, like, I find it hard to believe before Neon Genesis, any fucking giant robot fighting anime would have spent, like, a month of the character just hanging out with the descendants of a penguin he once knew. Like, I find it hard to believe, like, that would be an extended arc of any anime yeah. before that. So, like, yes, this, the rebuild Shinji does move faster and he does move past his trauma and grow as a person. But even then, that's kind of used as to show this is how this Shinji is different from the Shinjis beforehand. And this is why the difference comes out in the end, because the Shinji is able to grow through his drama. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, the big change for the rebuild Shinji compared to the other Shinji is that the rebuild Shinji realizes that inaction is an action in itself and has all other consequences that affect him. Yeah, when he's afraid to make a choice before, Shinji would refuse to make a choice, and in doing so, choose to not make a choice. Whereas now he realizes that not making a choice is a choice in and of itself, and thinks more about the choices he's making. Yeah. 
Yeah. That sentence sounded fake because of how many times I said <laughs> choice there. Yeah, uh, definitely. He's one of the more influential pilots in just the whole franchise of, like, giant mechs and stuff like that. And obviously the main protagonist, so he's going to have a bit more character growth to compared to some of the other pilots. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can go into a few things about Shinji himself. So we already mentioned this before, but, you know, works for Nair. He's the third child, so he's the third child uh, chosen to be an Evangelion pilot. By the Marmaduke Institute. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he pilots Unit 1, which uh, we end up finding out is his mother. Yep. Uh, he was born uh, June 6, 2001. And at the start of the series, he's 14 years old. So after the impact, uh, his father, Gendo Akari, head of Nerve. Good, all-around good person. Wouldn't make his team do anything that he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, his mother, deceased Yui Kari, as you mentioned, uh, is the Evangelion itself. Or Yumi Ayanami, depending on what timeline you ascribe to. Exactly. Uh, we have Rei Ayanami, uh, which is the clone kind of of his mother, who's also part Lilith. Yeah, the kind of clone, but with the soul of Lilith, slash depending on which Ray you're looking at, doesn't have the soul of Lilith, and that's why she's weirder. Exactly. And ultimately, this is kind of like a biological cousin, uh, at yeah. best. Yeah. Now, uh, these are some things that are mentioned, but never really we get any details on, but in the manga, he does have an unnamed uncle, aunt, cousin, and grandpa. On his mother or father's side? Uh, on the mother's side that he ends up staying with. Okay. So in the uh, anime, we only get mentioned as he stayed with, you know, his sensei? Yeah. Or, you know, teacher? Yeah. Uh, but in the manga, we get a bit more detail that he was staying with, like, relatives of the anime. And they probably also wanted him to get in the robot. They just weren't willing to say it. <laughs> get in the robot, Shinji. What are you talking about? Shinji, I need you to remember this. Squirrel it away in the back of your mind for when it becomes relevant. Get in the robot. What robot? It'll make sense when the time comes, Shinji. <laughs> this is the early 2000s. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and then, when it comes to voice actors, uh, his biggest voice that was recognized by is Spike Spencer, the voice of Shinji. So... As we've talked about multiple times throughout the series, Shinji's story is not so much about the angel fights itself. They're more of the vessel of his relationships and his own mental traumas, essentially. Yep. And ultimately, the story kind of revolves around the relationship between him and his father as the focal point, and honestly, the main conflict. Yeah. It largely does come down to, like, a lot of the issues in the plot come down to Gendo's treatment of Shinji. Or Shinji's rebellion against Gendo. Yeah, which I think that's the other fun thing about Shinji is even though you yourself have only kind of seen two interpretations of Shinji, Shinji does have, I guess, significant differences between himself in all iterations. Even the manga Shinji is not quite the same. Yep. Uh, manga Shinji is actually a bit more of a little shit, which is kind of fun as well, because he still has the same problems, but he kind of acts on them a bit differently. So you might remember in the anime, there's the scene where he's like, yes ma'am, yes ma'am, and kind of like pushing a little bit against Misato. Yeah. That's pretty much manga Shinji for the whole thing. Okay. No, he still has his like trauma traumatic moments at his bottom, but he's a quite bit more smartass about it, because instead of just not doing anything to push people away, he kind of forcefully 
drive people away through his attitude. Yeah. Which, in a sense, also kind of makes him closer to Gendo. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, that's some real Gendo shit right there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Anno has even said, like, Neon Genesis is a story about loops and repeating things, and a lot of people will think, oh, just time loops, but really it's about the relationships and trends. Yeah, I mean, there are loops within the story outside of the greater loop of telling the story over and over. Yeah, Misato's doing the same things that her father did, where she's neglecting Shinji's well-being for the sake of the mission, and we find out Shinji is pretty much on the exact same path Gendo was. Yeah. And if you look at it through most of the story, it's the death of certain characters that kind of drive into like a certain level of madness where he rejects reality like Gendo does. Whether it be Kaoru, Asuka, or another character in the story, there's some means. Yeah. A little bit. And he kills people. I assume. For reasons. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Who has he actually killed Depending on your interpretation of Coward. Near Third Impact. Oh, Near Third Impact, of course, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely Kaoru. Multiple times Kaoru. That's real sad. Kaoru's whole existence is built around making Shinji happy. We've discussed in our lore episode and our End of Rebuild series about how he's not doing it for the right reasons. He doesn't actually want Shinji to be happy. He wants to find his own happiness through Shinji's happiness. Whatever. Kaoru's internal goal is to make Shinji happy, and Shinji's set path is killing Kaoru. It's... Well, to be fair, it's not always Shinji killing Kaoru, but Shinji's always involved with the death. So, throughout most of the franchise, different storylines, it's either Shinji kills Kaoru, or Kaoru dies to save Shinji. Yeah. And that, that's tend to be what's little For example, Rebuild actually has the Kaoru dying to save Shinji situation, or to negate a mistake. Yeah. Whereas in the original 95 run, it's Shinji killing Kaoru. And same with the manga. To be fair, in the original 95 run, it's a little bit of both, because while Kara isn't exactly, like, sacrificing himself, he is fully, like, putting himself in Shinji's hand and being like, Alright, Shinji, time for you to kill me, because if you don't kill me, all of humanity is doomed. So, it is a little bit of Kara still sacrificing himself to save Shinji. This is a lost timeline, Shinji. I need you to kill me so I can go to the next one. What are you talking we about? We need to loop this shit all over again, Shinji. What do you mean, loop? Like, fruit loops? I don't understand. Shinji, trust me. I've watched this. I know how it turns out. I'll be back. I exist in Rebuild having watched Neon Genesis. Trust me, this will be fine. I'm from the future, 2013. It's 2015 right now. No, but I'm from the actual future. It's 2015 right now, but the world outside the world we currently exist in, it's only 1995. Trust me. I'm from the 2013 of that world, not this world. Such an in-depth character. I hope we get a chance to talk about Kaoru in-depth in the future at some point instead of Shinji. Oh, he's one of the pilots. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, we were talking about Shinji there. Something about Shinji. That was cool and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, Shinji was 100% potentially written in the aspect of having all these negative traits to, in a way, highlight the problems that he's dealing with, but also that... Well, it's kind of like giving him no favors as well. Yeah, 100%. And he has to grow through that and kind of move past what Gendo's mistakes were to break the loop, which ultimately that's the only way the story could have ever ended. Once you realize what the story's about is Shinji has to be able to break free of the loop and the concept of, you know, the children with the predetermined fates and all that. Yeah. It's a very prominent storyline that 
you can kind of see what Rebuild ended up doing for the franchise, where it's like, okay, we're going to put a little bit more focus on the aspects of, you know, breaking the loop, uh, to, like, the back of the story, it literally had to become a breaking a time loop. Yeah. It literally started off with ever so subtle differences from previous loops, so that we could eventually break the loop and not loop again. Exactly. But not just on the larger scale, we were also breaking the smaller loops. Yeah. Shinji was the one who reached out to Gendo and kind of forced the conversation, which made Gendo realize his mistakes. And he also helps all the other characters. Instead of fixing his own trauma, essentially, he realizes that it's something he'll have to work on, and these other characters are falling into the same trap he was, so he ends up giving them the ability to face themselves, in a sense. Yeah, it's instead of using a wish to fix your trauma, wish for the power to fix the trauma yourself. Not even the power, just the circumstances compared to the trauma yourself. Yeah, it's pretty much... Uh, Shinji didn't fix the trauma on his own, is ultimately what happens. It's a lot of other characters believing him and giving him the tools he needs to be able to get to that point on his own without directly saying, oh, just do this to fix the problem. We, Kensuke, Toji, even Reiku, end up all giving him, like... Comfort seems like the wrong word. Understanding, maybe? I guess. Like, as Toji and Kensuke's conversation, like, you have to have faith that he will come back and just give him what he needs when he needs it. I think, but don't tell him this is what he has to do. Yeah. And that's the thing we get with a lot of characters in that last part of the rebuild series. They're not telling him, you need to stop piloting or you need to pilot. It's, you've done enough. You don't have to do more. You can just stay here. Yeah, it is all... Making the choice not to do that anymore is a perfectly valid choice. It's essentially what it came down to. Is. The first two movies in the Rebuild series, it was get in the robot. The third movie, it was don't get in the robot. The fourth movie was you've done enough. Choose for yourself what you want for life. For yeah. life. And as long as you're making your choice, it's something you'll be fine with. It might not turn out as good as you want it to. It might turn out better. It could turn out worse. But you making the choice is what does matter in this aspect. Yeah, if... Shinji makes the choice for himself, then that allows him to gain self-worth because he's determining the choice for himself and the impact comes from himself, rather than passing the buck to, I was just doing what I was told. I was told to get in the robot, so I got in the robot. Yeah, and, and that way he also kind of avoids blame, which is why the Shinji is so different, that he realizes that not making a choice doesn't really absolve him of anything. Yeah. In the original run, we see him pretty much trying to pass it off to Asuka. Uh, as we mentioned in one, in one of those episodes, Asuka is essentially the main character to Shinji. Yeah, 100%. we watching know Shinji's the main character, and we expect things of him as the main character. In a sense, it kind of look at it as we, the audience, are also putting expectations on the Shinji, which are causing him to fail. <laughs> the amount of emotional trauma I've put fictional characters through is just staggering. Yeah, but that's the, the fun thing about it, right? Shinji as a main character, you have assumptions on, oh, He'll end up saving the day of Angela's core, so there's no real risk there, but with the misunderstanding of what the series is about and stuff like that, in a sense, we're doing the same thing that all the characters in the series, in a sense, are doing, not in the same context of, oh, Shinji's the main character, we'll be fine. Yeah. It's more so, like, Shinji will do this, like, he has to do this. Yeah. There's no we can count on Shinji to do this because it's the only thing that makes sense, so Shinji will do it. Yeah, and because of that, Shinji ends up having resentment for the characters that he has relationships with in the original 95 run, to quite a degree. The fact that he doesn't even see Asuka as a real person. Yeah, she's a doll. <laughs> a doll who gets hung up by her mother. 
they, uh, when she breaks, he's like, oh, Asuka, stop joking around, <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he only sees her as, like, what is physically there and not the person. I mean, clearly also has some of her own traumas. He expects her to do all the work to fix him as well. Yeah. Misato, he only sees as, like, you know, some, I guess, motherly commander. That classic trope we're all familiar with of the motherly commander. Yeah, so he ends up seeing her as a person who's just kind of a bullet of Italian can't do things or can't do things. Yeah, she's... She exists solely to give orders to Shinji, and she provides structure in his life, in that she tells him what he has to do, and thus he does it, and she tells him what he can't do, so he doesn't do it. Like, Which, in the same sense, because he's unable to move past the not making this for himself aspect, and puts the blame on other people for those decisions. For example... And it's a, an interesting way to look at the episode itself, but the Bardial play. Yeah. I think the Bardial play is one of like the most interesting aspects of the whole franchise, just for what happens where he's ordered to fight the Angel yes. and eliminate And then he says, I'm not going to do it. And the Angel has the bonus coming at him, he's like, I'd rather die. So then Gendo's like, fine, I'll do it myself, and ends up taking all the control away from Shinji and destroys Bardial. And then what is Shinji's aspect? Gendo killed this person. Yeah. When, when you think about it, Shinji, and this even gets pointed out by Asuka later, Shinji's the one who made the choice that she was going to die by not making a choice. 100%, yeah. And even though she didn't die from it, she ended up living in a altered state of reality, in a sense, because as we find out, she ended up being the embodiment of Bardiel physically, because Bardiel's within her because of fusion. Yeah. He decided that her fate was up in the air and decided by Gendo obviously would always choose when we're going to kill the angel regardless of who's inside. And Shinji didn't even give a chance for her to have an actual survival instance. Yeah, Shinji could have... If Shinji had have made an actual choice in that point, he would have increased her odds of survival because by not making the choice, he passes the buck to Gendo, and Gendo is always going to choose the boy choice of kill everything, figure out what should have been killed <laughs> after the fact. And then kill that too. Yeah. And... The 95 series makes it very apparent that because Shinji is of this not really engaged aspect of reality for the whole series, when he starts seeing what the uh, characters he has in relationship with are, really are, essentially, like, sees them more than just what their main facade is, he ends up hating them for it. Of course, yeah. Misato, wait, Misato's not the perfect person that knows everything that she's doing? Yeah. Masato he, he has... Me. Masato has sex? What the fuck? <laughs> She's not just a mother who gives orders? <laughs> I can't hey, believe hey, she hey. cheated on Dad. <laughs> oh, fuck. But that's the thing, like, it's... He's, it, it's such an interesting aspect to look at Shinji because he's both at the same time, and it, it, the fact that he's a contradiction to himself is just, like, the more human aspect of it as well, that he doesn't engage with anything, has an idea of what everything is, when it doesn't meet his expertise, he gets angry at it because it also shows that... In a way, it makes his depression deeper because he ends up thinking, well, everyone was here directly interacting with me, so I'm the center of everything, but I'm not important. But then sees people are interacting with the other people around him without him being a focal point, and it's different from what he sees from them, which means, oh, they don't actually like me, kind of like furthers that. Yeah, it's... I was right. <laughs> yeah, they have... I get my whole self-worth from being needed, and the moment I see people existing perfectly fine interacting with others without me being involved in the slightest, I start to feel like I'm not needed, and that just tanks his self-worth even further. Yeah, and 
that also in the 95 run ends up leading to the downfall of a lot of the other characters because of that. Uh, Asuka ultimately is left on the island because Shinji doesn't acknowledge any of her problems and at this point Kaji's gone. Misato's not the best. Misato's never been good for Asuka. Well, not even and, like the Asuka thing. I think it's more of Misato, especially in the 95 run, never really knew how to interact with her. Yeah. So she didn't know what Asuka needed and you know, Asuka starts going like, I'm gonna do this, haha, fuck orders. And then I was like, well, fuck, we'll give it a chance, I guess, whatever. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, instead of like, you know, putting the foot down, essentially. Yeah. Instead of doing the one thing Shinji expects of her, and telling people not to do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. So, in a way, Misato lets Asuka go into that full downward spiral without any safety net. And Shinji's also not helping, because he doesn't acknowledge that she could have problems. Yeah. He still thinks of her as perfect, so he doesn't recognize that she could even have a problem in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And it all comes down to Shinji gasping for air after a kiss. If that one moment had it gone differently, Asuka might not have had the downward spiral she did. Well, that was the thing. Like, the Asuka-Shinji relationship was kind of doomed from the start because Shinji would never make a move, and Asuka required a move. Yeah. Asuka required someone to make a move to value herself as anything. Yeah, they both needed the same thing, and they couldn't provide that thing to each other. Yeah. And a lot of people get upset, but I, I still am adamant, like, Asuka, one of my favorite characters, her and Shinji, I do not think works in any aspect. I think it it's, ends up being a toxic relationship, no matter what the title is. Yeah, it's like the same idea as creating a D&D party where every single member of your team is a wizard. Like, yeah, you're really great at things that require a wizard, but you cannot fill in the gaps in each other's weaknesses, and you all just crumble at the first issue that is not designed for a wizard to handle. Exactly. They both have the same strengths and the same weaknesses, and so when they run into a situation that they're not equipped to handle, it spirals that much worse because no one can handle it. Yeah, and I, don't get me wrong on this, I don't think that means Shinji and Asuka can't get along. In fact, I think what we end up getting at the end of Rebuild, of them like kind of like being able to have that heart-to-heart -heart talk without a romantic context to it, I feel like if that time would have continued, I think they would have been, like, friends. great friends. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and that's where I think the Oscar Shinji relationship is at its strongest of two people that are supporting each other, but not necessarily bound by that romantic interest. Exactly. They're but, able to understand each other, but there's no need to move that past anything. But try explaining to a bunch of anime weebs that these two <laughs> children who are close to each other shouldn't end up dating and <laughs> get a fucking shitstorm sent at you. 14-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the uh, other big relationship to kind of talk about is Rey. Yeah. When it comes to the relationships with Shinji. And I think Rey really highlights and is supposed to make apparent the aspect of Shinji trying to find a mother in everybody. Yes. To be fair, Rey is not wrong for him to make that connection. Rey is just kind of a blank slate that she's supposed to represent a bunch of like contradictory ideals about like female characters. And... She, the way that, like, the audience sees her is all supposed to be the way that Shinji sees her. And she doesn't ever have a personality, and she can be kind of molded to whatever the person looking at her can be. So what the person needs out of that character, it's very easy to make it that character. So Shinji, who needs, essentially, a maternal figure, very easily places that onto Rei. Yeah. And it makes sense that, like, so what we were going through original 95 run, we made a lot of jokes about how... 
she just was a machine that followed orders and did whatever was told of her. And that kind of still fits, because the whole thing is, up until this point, the main person she's interacted with is Gendo, who his entire interaction with her has been kind of just giving her orders and telling her to do things. Like, yes, he also saw a little bit of Yui in her, but wasn't going to make that relationship a part of it. Yeah, well, he even acknowledges that Rei is a failed attempt to bring back Yui. Yeah. That's why he didn't just stop it. Oh, I made a Rei Ayane. Yui's back. No, I'm going to humanist mentality of the world. Yeah. To bring Yui back. Yeah, so... Like, the aspect of her being a kind of silly putty, where, like, if you press it up against comics and you pull it off, what you press it up against has now been imprinted on it. Yeah. Like, she has that kind of personality to her, where you can mold her into whatever you need her to be. And so, Gendo molded her into the perfect order-taking individual, and Shinji tried to mold her into the perfect mother that was the same age as him. Yeah. Even though he already had Masato at home, who was also trying to be a mother to him. Well, that's the funny thing about it, because when you look at it, Shinji essentially is trying to turn all these relations into someone taking care of him. Yeah. Except for Asuka. Asuka, he expects her to take care of the world, but does not actually try and mold her into a specific mother. To be mother. fair, he also, because as we get from the human's mentality thing, he's kind of like, when Shinji finally snaps, that's what he's actually thinking of. And he attacks Asuka perfectly as well. He's doing that. He's like, Asuka, you like, I need your help. You need to take care of me. Something like he wanted her to take care of him as well. But with the added caveat of you're also protecting the world, I'm part of that world. So really, it's, you're protecting the world, not for the world, but for me. Yeah, you're protecting the world so that I am safe. Mostly so that I don't have to protect the world myself. Yeah, and then when Asuka, who ultimately ends up having her grow, calls Shinji on his shit, that's when he chokes her, right? Like, he attacks yeah. her because she's now hostile in his perception to him because she will not accept his narrative. Yeah, she's also challenging his worldview and, like, his idea that he's the one that needs to be protected by everyone. And that's forcing him to go through shit that he's not ready to go through, so he immediately lashes out and tries to silence that force. Exactly. Man, Shinji kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate idea we're supposed to have of Shinji Group 95 run. It's, it's not that he's a bad person, per se, but he's definitely not a good person. Yeah. He's just kind of existing, and his choices end up leading to these negative things because he's unwilling to face himself in the world. He's a very real character in that, like, he's not pure good or pure bad. But his inaction and his refusal to make choices leads to bad things happening. Yeah, and uh, another way that you kind of take Shinji from the 95 run, because ultimately this aspect of Shinji from the 95 run is a bit different from the rebuild Shinji, because rebuild Shinji is able to move past these things and learn and make himself a better person through but not, like, a perfect person. Uh, even though he ends up ending, I guess, perfect ideals in a sense. Yeah. But uh, one of the interpretations of the end of the Evangelion is not that Asuka herself forced herself out of uh, its mentality and just got a physical form. It's that Shinji, unable to truly move and grow, forces Asuka to be his companion. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Glad we dedicated this entire episode of our podcast to talking about this character who's the worst. Well, there's a lot of depth to Shinji. That's yeah. It's just talking about how great the character is. Like, again, I'm not saying he's a bad character in any sense of it, but as an inter-character of the story, he's very interesting. I think he's an incredibly well-written character. Exactly. It's the, uh... 
the if you're a fan of Harry Potter and not anime, I don't know how you got this far into the podcast, but if you need a touchstone to relate to, it's the kind of Dolores Umbridge effect where like everyone hates that character, but that's just a sign of how well written the character is because of the fact that everyone has this visceral hate for the character. Yeah. The fact that people are so disappointed in Shinji and like expect so much better for Shinji is a sign of that he's a really well written character. Yeah, you're able to connect to him and because he has so much going on Almost anyone watching the series can find something to relate directly with Shinji on, in a sense, right? Yeah. So, people tend to react things strongly when they can relate to it because of that. So when you're able to connect a certain, any aspect of Shinji to yourself, and then see him do something that you can see yourself doing, it makes you have, like, such a strong reaction to it. It's like, the son of a bitch! Yeah! God damn it, why would you do that, Shinji? Why would I do that, Shinji? <laughs> why Shinji? Why? <laughs> and, and that's the thing, like, ultimately, he's a very troubled character who has a lot of mistakes in the first run, which don't really put him in a good light. Uh, a lot of people say, like, end up going into, like, the character fascination of Shinji. I think, no, that's just the accumulation of everything they've been building up to from Shinji. Yeah. And then, after that destructive maelstrom of Shinji's, like, personality and, like, worldview, which is ended in Evangelion, that humanity ends up being the ones who suffer for him. Yeah. We get a Shinji who is kind of grown, not necessarily because of the events of Evangelion, but is able to look at the world differently and pass that destructive past. Shinji, when he looks and gets information about past reality, essentially, and ended up going in the minus space, doesn't say, I was right. Everyone in all these other realities was a piece of shit, and they deserve what's come, right? He was like, oh, that was a part of it. Yeah. We've been down this road before. And it needs that. Yeah, if I don't do anything here, we're just going to keep going down this road again and again. Exactly. I think it is important to note, because we did spend the last however many minutes of this podcast shitting on Shinji and how much he sucks. Even though he is a very flawed character, those flaws are not entirely his own. They are very much artifacts of his upbringing. And yes, yeah. Rebuild shows that it's possible to grow past them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that fuck him for not growing past them in previous runs. Like, being unable to grow past your trauma is a very human thing to go through. Yes, yeah. and Rebuild ends up showing us methods that people can get past that he has a really good support and helping him in Village 3. If yeah. Shinji would have stayed on the Wonder the whole time... He absolutely would have. Yeah, it would have been just like Endeavor Million. I'm yeah. 100% positive of that. It's the fact that he went to that village and had so many different people he knew from his past telling him, you've done enough, you can just stop now. Like, you yourself are enough now. We don't need more from you for you to have worth. You have worth. Yeah, we just like you because you're Shinji and you're our friend. Yeah. In fact, we we don't want you to not get in the robot again. Not because we think you getting in the robot is going to cause fourth impact and end the world, like everyone was telling you back on The Wonder. We don't want you to get in the robot because we want what's best for you, and we are not sure that getting in the robot is what's best for you. Yeah. And that's kind of just what he needed. Exactly. And with the original end of him going, he didn't have that support network yet. All the characters were flawed and weren't able to really, truly acknowledge the problems with the other characters and help them get out of it. And that's ultimately what the story is accumulating in, in the original series. It's all these flawed people were trying to protect reality and as they were not able to, you know, move on past those problems, it ended up paying the price. 
which, if you think about it, kind of means that the time skip is the thing that really saved the world in Rebuild, because the time skip is what gave the characters enough time to grow emotionally to the point where they could be that uh, Take support network. Take a step back and evaluate everything that happened at this point, yeah. Yeah, and be the support network that Shinji needed. Yeah, and not to say, like, characters in the original run didn't have growth or ability to pass certain traumas, but ultimately, if they were able to get to the point that Shinji reached in Rebuild, and by the time they were at that point, it was already kind of too late. The stakes yeah. were already made. That led ultimately to the end. Well, I think the key difference is the original run starts in 2014 and ends in 2015, so it takes place over the course of roughly a year. Yeah. Maybe two years if it starts January and ends December. Either way, that is not a huge amount of time to like work through your shit. Having gone through stuff in the past myself, two years is not a huge amount of time to figure that stuff out. Yeah. So... They, there just, like, wasn't enough time for them to get to the spot where they could be emotionally strong enough to make those choices. Whereas Rebuild stretched it out and gave people time to, like, recognize those mistakes from their past and grow from them. Yeah, and in turn, that was able to give Shinji what he needed as a support network. As great as Toji and Kensuke were, adult Toji and Kensuke were a lot better at helping Shinji. Yeah. It feels a bit weird to say adult Toji when we all know Toji was a 40-year-old man when he was in junior high. Yeah. But he grew up. But he grew up into an adult. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and that's the other thing. is like, while yes, this one takes a lot longer, Shinji, because he was in 400% soup as far as I can tell for most of the story, yeah. he still has roughly the same perception of time. Like, to him, roughly the same amount of time takes place over the course of Rebuild as it does over the course of the original run, maybe a little yep. bit longer because of how long he spends in the village. It's a little bit unclear exactly how long he spends in the village. Yeah. But I think it's a fair statement to think if the original run was a year-long transition for him, I think having that parallel, even though there's a large time gap for him, his perception is probably still within that one year yeah. start to finish. So there's a couple key differences. Like we saw in the beginning of Rebuild, Shinji was better able to recognize the people around him and, like, trust in them for their support. Yeah. But then also, once we have that time gap and everyone is in a spot where they're kind of a little bit better. Not everyone, because Asuka and fucking uh, Misato are both not in a healthy spot at the beginning of Rebuild 3. But either way, enough characters have gone through enough that they're able to be there for Shinji. Even if he doesn't have more time, the extra time that has passed has given him a stronger support now. Yeah, and, and this might be going a bit too much into other characters this, but I think with Asuka, Asuka Soryu has, or Langley, has her whole character arc and growth finished in the original Yes. That's why Shikinami makes more sense in the Rebuild series. And even Shikinami, I don't think she's at a point, like, I don't think she's a lot of growth. I think she has come to terms with a lot of things and is fine with them in that time skip, because her main conflict is she's upset with Shinji for not learning from his mistakes, and she might lash out at him the wrong way, but that's because she doesn't have to deal with helping another person in that situation. But for herself, I think she has come to terms and has accepted a lot of things, and just kind of fallen on the side of the fence of, I don't have long for this world, so yeah. I'm not going to interact with it, and yeah. not so much, this world doesn't accept me. Yeah, no, she's definitely in a healthier spot, I just mean she's not in a spot to be supportive to Shinji, and that's fine, because there are other people who can from that yeah. point. And I think with Sato, the fact that she tries to like motivate Shinji by like, oh, we'll have a more adult situation when we get back, shows that she never truly 
fully through. Yeah. She might have gotten better and overcame some trauma, but she didn't grow to the point of being able to fully embrace the I'm the caregiver for Shinji. Yeah. And that's why the payoff to her in Rebuild, where she says, I am, you know, his uh, caregiver, I'm his, but first, like, his guardian, and I am going to protect him, ends up being the true payoff of that. She's not trying to, you know, seduce Shinji or do something like that, but what she understands is how the relationship is. She's able to, because she had that relationship with Kaji, that obviously grew to the point of having a child, she had had some growth, even though she might have taken the wrong things from it, but she's able to come to the correct terms, essentially, at the end. Yeah, and I think there's clear sign, clear signs of her growth in that, like, over that time, because even at the beginning, she chooses not to have a life with Kaji Jr., and that's perfectly fine. Like, it, uh, I take that back. That's not perfectly fine. But, like, she has her internal justification for why she's not having a life with Ryoji Kaji, and why she's leaving him to his own devices and doesn't even let him know that she's his mother. Um, and she kind of distances herself, and... This might have been explicitly said, but even if it wasn't, I think a lot of it does come back to Shinji, where she feels like she failed as a mother with Shinji. to Shinji, so she doesn't want to take on that role again and risk failing with her actual son as well. And you can see the growth by the time that comes around, because now she is announcing herself as the caregiver to Shinji, and she's taking on that motherhood role and providing for Shinji. And while it's not explicitly shown, I think it's safe to assume after Rebuild ends, she probably would go back to Kaji and actually try and be a proper mother to him. If she wasn't dead. If she wasn't dead, yeah. But you never know, Shinji was fixing things. He might have <laughs> fixed her being dead. Yeah, and that's all the main thing. Like, I think Shinji and Misato's relationship, they both, I believe, understand each other in the Rebuild. And Shinji even, like, pretty much knows what to tell her that would, like, you know, make her feel like it wasn't all for nothing. Like, she's like, oh, I met Ryoji Kaji. I liked him. He was good. He was a cool guy. Yeah. Your son is a good person. I don't know how much more you want from me. <laughs> and that ultimately like shows, like, I think she had regrets about what she did with her son. And Shinji's saying, oh, he turned out well, he's a good person. Ends up, like, not justifying it, but let's know that she didn't fuck up morally again. Yeah. Uh, I like to imagine that if Shinji didn't have the growth he had and felt, like, spiteful towards <laughs> Misato, at this point he would have been like, yeah, I met your son Ryoji Kaji. I tried to seduce him, and then just walk away from that, leaving at that, like, yeah, you fuck me up, I fuck up your son. Let's just say I paid some respects to Kaji. <laughs> I see and made him farm watermelons. I showed him my melons. <laughs> I told him who his father was, he didn't like it. I told him who his father was, and then I told him who his daddy was. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. But yeah, like, Shinji has a kind of the point that he's trying to carry the burden of other characters. Not to... Like, he's not like, oh, uh, Misato, you don't have to worry about your burden anymore. It's mine now. He's like, oh, this is a problem for both of us. I'm going to help. I'm going to shoulder some of this as well. Yeah. The... That load you're carrying, that burden you're carrying is heavy. I'm going to take it all on my back. It's, no, that's not what he's doing. It's that load that you're carrying, that burden is heavy. Let's carry it together. It'll make the work less. Some of this is my fault. Yeah. I am responsible for some trauma in the world. I would like to reduce that in any way possible. <laughs> Not pointing fingers, but if someone would have told me what was going on when I came out of, say, you know, a 14-year-old coma where I was soup, maybe things would have gone smoother. Yeah. Not to point fingers, of course. Sakura. <laughs> <laughs> Just fully throw the blame entirely on Koji's I mean, sister. To be fair, if he did 
wouldn't have blamed him because she did try to shoot him and ended up shooting Misato instead. Yeah. Fucking Sakura. Yeah, like, that, that's all I hear. Like, Shinji has gotten to the point of growth that he's able to acknowledge form relationships and understand other people, and not just as the one-dimensional aspect that he's kind of put on their questions. Yeah. There you go, Shinji. You're less of a shit this time around. Yep. I look forward to reading other reading other stories in the cycle where Shinji's perhaps back to being a little shit the entire time. He's a little shit in kind of most aspects of it. Yeah. Re Rebuild Shinji's definitely like the antithesis of the character. Yeah. So, I guess with that, do you have any questions about Shinji that you think we, uh, kind of left over? No, I kind of I feel like I get Shinji. He's me, but if he was willing to accept therapy. Cool, on that interesting note, I guess we will go to some questions from uh, some of the people that listen to this podcast. So, starting off with some of the questions we have on Instagram here, the first one we have is from Beanpole Drew. Beanpole Drew, let's hear it. He asked, why won't he just get in the fucking robot? Uh, trauma. Emotional trauma, trying to determine his own self-worth, trying all kinds of reasons. Yeah, I mean, if you want to think of it, like, obviously, if it was Kensuke in this situation, he'd be like, oh, hell yeah, give me in that robot. I think Kensuke wouldn't even need to hear it once. He'd be like, oh, can I get in the robot? And they're like, that's why you're here, Kensuke. <laughs> Let me in the fucking robot. Yeah. But think of it this way. It's, his father abandoned him for, in the original run, at least, ten years. And then shows up and it's like, you think, oh, he wants to meet me. He's like, I need you to get in this giant robot and fight that thing you saw outside. I mean, think of it this way. Person you haven't seen in ten years shows up one day, or calls you over to a place one day, and then when you're there, like, you see, like, you hear gunshots, and you realize, wait a second, I'm in a bank. He throws a mask over his face, like, here, hold this gun. Yeah. That's essentially what happens to Shinji. It, it's kind of like that. Another analogy would be, if you, once again, person you haven't met for ten years, invites you over... You go over. As you're going over, you see a giant bomb dropping towards the Earth. And he's like, I need you to go catch that. <laughs> That's essentially what's happening right now. Yeah. So, there's a very good reason why Shinji didn't initially get in the robot until he was blackmailed into it. Yeah. Emotional blackmail. The best kind. Uh, so, this one is from Rotten.Carrots on Instagram. And is Shinji a Weezer fan? <laughs> Uh, see, that's a tricky question, because fan is a very all-encompassing word. Like, he definitely likes Hashpipe, but I don't know if he's a fan of some of their deeper cuts, so I don't know if you're willing to call him a Weezer fan. You see, it, it, this is probably just because of, you know, royalty issues with music and, you know, following series, but you mean unless it's to, like, classical music that's in, like, common domain? So, I think he likes classical. No, I think he likes Weezer. We always see him listening he to just tracks. He likes royalty free. Yeah, he likes listening to track 26 is the one we mainly see him <laughs> listen to. The first 24 tracks are actually Weezer, and we only ever see him when he gets to the end of his playlist. <laughs> Which gets even better because we also know that Gendo had that playlist. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same tape. Yeah. <laughs> so by default, if that's the case, Gendo was also a big Weezer fan. A hundred percent, yeah. When did Weezer start? Uh, give me one quick second. I'll figure that out for us. Because... Shinji got this tape deck in 2004. So he got the tape deck in 2004. Oh, that's... Wait, no, it would have been 2005. Because he was four when he was banned, right? Yeah. 1993. Oh, yeah. Gendo was fucking, like, all up on that Weezer, and Shinji is by default because of it. Yeah. 
100%. This wasn't even like Gendo was a big fan of Weezer. It's just he had picked up their most recent, like, tape record and was, like, listening to it on the day that Shinji ran away and stole the record. <laughs> I'm just fucking imagining Shinji laying in his bed crying here. Yeah, that's 100% how it works. I'm glad we discovered this. It's important things to know. Uh, we have one other question from Rotten.Carrots as well. And this one is also one I really enjoy. How does he never think to himself, This Ray looks a lot like my mom. To be fair, he does think that the first time he sees what his mom looks like. But you have to remember, he was very young when his mom passed away. He doesn't Four. have... Yeah, so he doesn't have clear memories of what her face looks like at the time when he's seeing Ray. Yeah, it's... I think because even Gendo has moments where he, like, he's looking at Ray and he sees it kind of morph into Yui. Yeah. And so I think it's definitely close enough that there's, like, a resemblance, but I think he might have also gotten around this because you see that when he introduces Ray, he mentions it's a family member, like, you know. Yeah, it's a cousin or something. Distant relative. Yeah. He gets fucking lies right. Yeah. So I think more people that knew Yui probably should have been a little onto things, but at the same time, I don't think Ritsuko's mother knew. No. But Ritsuko definitely knew. 100%. And Shinji was young, and at the same time, it kind of adds back to the uh, Gendo says he destroyed all the photos of her, right? There's no photos that exist of her. Yeah. And that was probably due to this as well. Yeah, he didn't want people to ask questions of, why does Rei look so much like Yui? So I think, you know, with a ten-year gap, everything was destroyed that, like, showed what Yui looks like, and Shinji even makes reference to forgetting things about Yui. I think it's very easy to see how he might have been suspicious or, like, something seemed off to him, but not a direct, that's, that's my mother, what, what do you have to get to? Yeah. What do you have to do again, Dad? Good old Gendon. Uh, this one is from Al Dokum, and it is, is he gay? Shinji? Yeah. He has no carnal feelings for Cameron. That's true. Uh, if I had to say anything, I think Shinji probably bisexual. Yeah. I would more quickly classify him as asexual than bisexual. Yeah. Because uh, you have to remember in End of Evil the thing that ends up calming him down is like seeing the form of Kaoru. Because there, he does have fun. Regardless of it being carnal, he does have a love for Kaoru. Yes. Yeah, uh. I think he has a love, but it's not the kind of love of a man who really wants to go to town on another man, feeling I'm very familiar with. It's the love one has for like their brother or sibling or something like that. Yeah, so I guess I do agree with you. It's more of, I don't think Shinji is a person who considers sexuality, I guess. Yeah, as... At the same time, he is 14, so... Yeah, like, I think he's aware of sexuality, but, like, the key sign is, like, his reaction to his kiss with Asuka, where... Most 14-year-olds, if another 14-year-old came up and kissed them on the mouth, um... They would have a react like yes, I realized he was. They need to get their cootie shots. Kid pinched his nose and he went gasping for air after that. But that is around the time when he should be starting puberty, and like those thoughts of like that confusion of I don't know how to handle what I'm feeling right now, like that should be present. So 
if he had any sort of romantic sexual feelings for Asuka, you would think there would be a re reaction like that. And I think it's just... He does not seem to show sexual interest in anyone. To the point where, like, when he's talking with Mari, he's perfectly comfortable referring to her big boobs later on. And, like... <laughs> That's adult Shinji, though. That is adult Shinji, but it's still one of those things where I... I would say he doesn't seem to... Not that he never would, but during the times we see him, he doesn't seem to present sexual feelings for anyone. Well, I guess the closest that is Oscar and Indivian Evangelion. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's, you know, in early puberty, things going on, he probably doesn't even know what the fuck he's feeling. Yeah. And he's probably mixing shit up and not knowing what's going on. We do know one thing he's certainly feeling, and that's contempt for Misato. That's true. <laughs> That, that's true. There, so there's two points where we see people make advances on Shinji, and it's Asuka with the kiss, which he seems to have no reaction to, and it's Misato. Well, reaction. Oh god, I can't breathe. Yeah, I just mean he doesn't have like a reaction to the kiss itself. It's to the not being able to breathe, and Misato making an advance on him, to which his reaction is complete and utter contempt for her. So, and then we are explicitly told that he has no carnal feelings for Catherine. So, I would say. He's a bit... I would say he has feelings of love for people of both genders, but he doesn't have sexual feelings for anyone, at least during the series. Maybe when he grows up, he fucks everyone. Who knows? He took more from Kaji. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this one we have is from Primus vs. Unicron. Who's better, Shinji Ikari or Amuro Rei? Amuro Rei is the gun. Yeah, the original gun. I have limited experience with Gundam, so by default, I kind of just have to say Shinji Ikari. Yeah. I, I like Shinji more, but that's because Ray is definitely your standard hero character, where he does have those problems, but he rises above it, like, you know, and saves the day with no problem. Yeah. Whereas with Shinji, he's just, I think, a better written character. Not to say Ray is a bad character in any aspect, he's a great character, and the original Gundam character. But Shinji had, you know, the benefit of coming out, you know, 10 to 15 years after Ray came into existence, right? Yeah. So he just had so many more benefits for the natural progression of the character Ray. 100%. Uh, this one is from Bitter underscore Sick. Rebuild series question specifically. Will Shinji realize that he's dating a 50-plus-year-old woman? So first of all, I don't know that they're necessarily dating. Um, That's right. It's possible they are, but it's not made clear that they are dating. And all that we know for sure is they're definitely friends after this is over. Yes, he will. No, he won't care. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Age is but a number when you get old enough. Yeah. Only going upwards, though. Don't get any crazy ideas. Yeah, so age is just a number going upwards. And also it's important to note that while she might be a 55-year-old, Due to the way Shinji used the power of instrumentality, she is still physically the same age as I don't Shinji. want to go down that slippery slope either. <laughs> I don't care how old your vampire lady is. Don't worry about it. Uh, so this question is from uh, PP Master. <laughs> Sorry. How come Shinji doesn't have any clones? I shouldn't laugh at PP Master, but I do. That's true. This is one thing we discussed off podcast where two of the three main pilots... Uh, are slash have clones. So with 
the Ainami series and the Shikinami series. We'll go more into detail on that in those episodes specifically. But ultimately, the idea of Shinji, he cannot have a clone. Yeah. Uh, first off, he was born actually between Yui and Gendo before any of this even happens. Yep. And as we find out, Gendo's plan was always to use Shinji to trigger his mentality, and that's kind of the only purpose that Gendo gave to Shinji. Yeah. Because Shinji had that connection to Yui, he was more confident that he could use Shinji to bring back Yui. Yeah. And so I don't using Gendo... a clone who has no direct connection to Yui would and work. Do you really think Gendo wants a fuck ton of Shinjis just floating around? Yeah, do you think Gendo even wants the one Shinji that's already floating around floating around? No. Here's a question from Angelo underscore SRZ. Why is he so relatable? See, that's something, if you had listened to the podcast up until this question and answer period, you would know that the answer is, he's not, like, super relatable, but he is, like, human, and that allows you to make enough of a connection. Yeah. He's not, I think that's even what you touched on, the fact that he has so much going on that feels real, that almost anyone can find a link to Shinji in some aspect. Yeah, it's the difference between... So there's the two forms of relatable character. There's the blank slate character that allows you to uh, put your own assumptions onto them. And then there's the Shinji version of relatable, where they make him so human that you can see yourself in his actions, even if they aren't necessarily the choices you would be making. And that's why Shinji is so relatable. This question is from Paint underscore S-A-B-L. Is Shinji refusing to eat 3 plus 1 supposed to be an attempt to take his life? I think we have precedent that that's a good chance that that could be the case. As we know, at the end of Evangelion, uh, there's a scene where it looks like he attempted to just drown himself. Yep. So I think Shinji, once he hits his low, has definitely tried to. But we also quickly find out, and even Asuka calls him on it, he's too cowardly and it's all like he wants to die, but he's too afraid to die. He's too afraid to actually take his own. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a precedent that that could be the case. And again, with it, we never get confirmation. I do believe that it is part of that, but we all see Shinji that once he's off the food, like, he immediately caves and, like, he, he just eats, right? I, I don't know that it's a direct attempt at suicide. I think it's he's in a bad enough emotional state that he's just unable to take care of himself. Well, he's trying to do suicide the same ways of life, by not making a choice and doing nothing. Yeah, I just... He's definitely in a depression, and the depression can lead to him not taking care of himself, but I wouldn't go so far as to say that his uh, not taking care of himself is an attempt to commit suicide. I think it's just he's that deep in depression that he's unable to seek out food, but will still eat and present it to him. That's right. If he was actually trying to starve himself to commit suicide, I think he'd be more likely to throw the food away than to eat at the moment it's given to him. Uh, so, for the last question we have on Instagram, this one is from Cheems underscore Priest. Why does the Neon Genesis in, uh, intro song sing about Shinji becoming a legend? That doesn't really fit. Is that what uh, Cruel Angel's thesis is? Uh, so, let me read out the lyrics here. Like a cruel angel... Boy becomes a myth. Just staring at me, you smiling. I'm crazy about finding something that touches softly. I don't even know my fate yet, but someday you'll notice that on his back there are wings to aim at the, uh, for the distant future. Cruel Angel's thesis, eventually taking off from your window, with 
uh, squirting hot pathos. If you betray your memories, embrace this universe and shine. What becomes of them? I'm sleeping all the time, the cradle of my love. The morning will come when only you will be called by the messenger of your dreams. The moonlight reaches the thin neck. I want to stop and shut time all over the world. If it makes sense to me, Edem. Uh, I'm so the Bible to know freedom. Cruel Angel's thesis, sadness begins and begins. The shape of life that I embrace when I woke up to that dream, it shines more than anyone else. What becomes a myth? People make history while holding love. I live without being a goddess. Cruel Angel's thesis, eventually take off from the window with squirting hot pathos. If you betray your memories, embrace the universe and shine. What becomes a myth? Fair. And that's a thing a lot of people, I think, tend to also forget about the Undisc. The happy, upbeat songs don't tend to be happy, upbeat content, in a sense. Yeah. Because this is more about a person kind of like longing more than an actual thing. And The Boy Becomes a Myth is not in the sense of, in the translation directly, like, uh, not directly, like, the direct translation is The Boy Becomes a Myth, whereas the actual translation is The Boy Becomes a Legend. If you look at the intent of the original lyrics in a sense of What Becomes a Myth, uh... It kind of almost implies uh, disappearance, more so. A legend can imply the same thing, but I think with a myth, it's like something that's already happened that's like vague and lost. Yeah. Kind of like a rumor, in a sense. And I think that's the idea that it's supposed to be giving, is something slowly fading away. Though, of course, there's nothing directly that says that the boy in the song is specifically Shinji. Yeah, no. Even then, it could also be a sort of interpretation where... Shinji becomes a myth or a legend in the sense that, like, he's not fully human when he's piloting an Ava. Not like he's greater than human or anything like that, but he actually degrades himself to the point where he is less than human while he's piloting an Ava, and his whole purpose is just to be a machine that follows orders, essentially. So, in that sense, he's also just, over the course of the series, becoming less than human. To the point where when he becomes a god through human instrumentality. Which, according to the description I just gave, implies that gods are less than human. So, fun fact, every human, you're more than a god. Oh, and because I think Shinji is himself less than human in most states of life. Yeah. Including when he's uh, in instrumentality and has the power of a god. Still sees himself as less than human. Regardless, yeah. There, it doesn't mean he becomes a legend in the sense that you would think of it if you just heard that sense. I agree with your interpretation where it's more so about him kind of disappearing and becoming less than you. Yeah, but in like a cheery pop. Yeah. Uh, so, with that, I guess we'll go into some interesting facts about Shinji himself. Fun facts time! Uh, so, Shinji is actually one of the very few characters, especially at this time, who is uh, accidental reversion actually not played for laughs or the aspect of setting up anything in sense. Sorry, say that again? She's the accidental perversion. Oh, yes. Where at this point, like, that would be played for laughs of, like, you know, a romantic back and forth or something like that. Like, yeah. Oh, he saw her underpants. Ha 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 ha. Whereas, like, every time it happens to him, it's just... Which, honestly, like, I think original Neon Genesis doesn't even play into that too hard of it setting up as a joke, right? Yeah, no, it's just... A thing that happens, and honestly, it's just things that make Shinji uncomfortable and causes him to run away when he could potentially be getting more answers. Uh, 
voice actor that did Shinji in Japanese, also voiced, oh, the name of the actor is Mikumi Ogata, who voiced uh, Aroma from Yo-Yo Hakusho, Sailor Uranus from Sailor Moon, Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, Yue from Cardcap, as well as Makoto from uh, uh, Dangarama. Fair. Spike Spencer, on the other hand, who we know in like Yamada and Bleach, as well as uh, Rolo, Lambrouge, and Cody. Sure. These are all names I recognize. Uh, Shinji was originally supposed to be a female protagonist. Yeah, and he was a bit too close to another work that Otto worked on. Nadia. Nadia. Yeah, and he looks almost exactly the same, just like a bit darker skin. Yeah. But the idea was, like, they had to change the protagonist because they just did female protagonist and they wanted to spice things up a bit, I guess. Uh, on top of that, uh, Unit 1 uh, originally had Shinji's color scheme of uh, white and black. Yeah. Purple and green pops more. Uh, this is less so of a trivia about Shinji, but more of just something that's interesting. Uh, so there's the uh, Robot Wars uh, series, which takes like Avenger pilots from multiple anime series and puts them together into a singular thing. And in uh, one of them, Shinji is a character in his Unit 1. Sure. And in his part, Unit 1 becomes possessed, just like it does in End of Evangelion, and so what is their human totality? I'd like to guess where the plot goes from here. No, I don't want to guess. <laughs> would you like me to just tell you? Yes, I would. Uh, the game progresses with Unit 1 in this state being the boss, and you have to beat the shit out of Shinji to stop human evolution. Fair enough. I think overall I've kind of gone through a lot of... Shinji-based fun facts and stuff that we've gone through the series because he's so centrally tied to the plot of the series. Yep. That I, I think aside from that, I've kind of already gone over every other Shinji fact I have. Fair enough. So with that, what are your overall thoughts on Shinji now that we've gone through the two main core storylines? I hate him. You hate him? But I also love him. That's me. I hate how much I love him. <laughs> and I love how much I hate him. I love to hate him. Yeah. It's a love-hate hate love love relationship between you and Shinji. Yeah, as it kind of, like said, especially in the conversation about Rei compared to Shinji, Shinji is such a well-written character that even though he does some really shitty things, he's a very interesting thing, a character to think about. And Shinji alone adds so much layers when going through the series multiple times and you go back and watch it again, understanding some things of how Shinji takes him, kind of like, oh, I can see how he got to this point, and some of that. Yeah. And ultimately, the fact that Shinji is the main character of what makes the series work the way it does. 100%. If we had Rayamaro like, and some Shinji in the series, and the series kind of unfold the same way, it'd be a very different story. Yeah. Something that story would work. Yeah. Would end up with the Bardo fight. Probably would. wrap up this episode so if you would like to follow us you can find us at what is my podcast about at gmail.com emails where you can send in questions and anything you'd like to reach out there about as well as we have the instagram page where we upload on a daily basis we have angel polls which we're going through currently to determine just top angel you use your own metrics to decide how you're voting on that one we also have facts about the series you go through which we can also answer questions if some of the questions you heard today were actually asked for directly on that instagram page out there. We also have 
polls going on right now to determine the order of our next podcast. Yeah, so right now, uh, as of earlier today, when this goes up, we'll have a poll on the remaining four pilots. Ray, Asuka, Kaoru, and Murray. But like those four remaining pilots will have a poll, and the order of top to bottom will determine the order we're doing them on the podcast. Also, feel free to submit questions through that poll so we can answer them when we start talking about those characters. Exactly. Uh, we also have the YouTube channel where episodes go up every Wednesday, just like the podcast. Make sure to favorite, review, pass it on to a friend. Uh, Spotify is definitely our biggest platform, so if you can write reviews and rating on there, again, that helps us just get it up to more people. Alright, and with that, what are we talking about next time, Keith? So next time, as we mentioned on that poll... We're doing the pilots. The next four episodes will be about pilots. Yes. The order you determine. It's a Tuesday night adventure of pilots. So you know better than us what we're doing next. And the one thing we do know is next time there will be plenty of fans in this.